Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast, where we will be bringing together the best technical leaders from across the industry to discuss passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Lewis Burks, and I connect businesses with talented contractors in the project services market, and I will be your host today. Welcome to the latest episode of the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across Australia to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Lewis Burks, and my role here at Evolution, as well as being your host today, is to connect businesses with talented contractors in the project services market. Today, I'm joined by Cassie Jordan and Harin Thalagaspitia to join an interesting discussion and challenging topic for many leaders, how to lead in an environment of ambiguity. Before we get started, let's go for some introductions to our speakers. Uh, Cassie, do you want to go first? Thanks, Lewis. Um, I'm Cassie. I'm head of delivery at WIC, which is a, a collaboration between Morris and Quantium. So the um, purpose of WIC is to deliver advanced analytics solutions for Woolworths Group and then out into the non-competing global retailer market as well. Uh, relatively new business unit. It's only been around for just over two years, so still learning um, a lot about leading and leading through ambiguity as well. So it's a really good topic um, of conversation. I'm excited. Awesome. Thank you, Cassie. And I'll pass to you as well, Harin. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Um, head of delivery at iSelect. My name's Harin Thalagaspitia, as always, just uh, on the long names for fun. Um, and yeah, just started really at iSelect over the last couple of months, focusing on, I guess, trying to provide comparison opportunities for customers across health, uh, electricity and gas and other insurance options. Perfect. Thank you both for setting out uh, your your backgrounds and your experience in the introductions. So um, yeah, looking forward to unpacking this topic with you both today. I guess really this comes from uh, consistent conversation with, with you guys as well as uh, a few other people in the market and just understanding you know, how do you really achieve a good outcome in this situation? I think the the general consensus is when you know exactly what resources you have, when you know exactly where you need to get to and how long you have to get there, it can be easier. <laughs> I won't say easy, but easier to, to achieve what your outcome is. But when you maybe don't have all of, or in some cases, some of those things, you know, what are the crucial things that you as leaders kind of really lean on to make sure that uh, that you get the, the delivery outcomes that you want? So, um. I'll dive into the the topic that you suggested within this harine first of all. So you um, you said how critical is a growth mindset and enabling this as a leader to succeed in an ambiguous environment. So do you want to kick us off with kind of your thought process maybe behind that before we bounce the idea around? Yeah, sure. Um, so growth mindset, uh, it's kind of I think when I first encountered the terminology, I didn't actually know what was happening or I was doing it. Um, it was more thankful to having leaders before me that kind of took me under my wing and kind of was creating an environment for people uh, where, you know, it's safe to fail, uh, ch- be open and challenging. And probably the reality is, I think about ambiguity, which I do like, probably just to always be a bit annoying, Lewis, and extend the, the, the broadness of it is we actually deal with ambiguity in our lives, not just our professional careers. Um, it's really our approach to it. And that's um, kind of what I'm really interested about today's a bit of the psychology behind it um, and how we interact with people and that no matter what we think or I think, um, we don't know everything. And so it's about, you know, embracing and trusting people and making them feeling comfortable to lean into that ambiguity. Awesome, mate. I guess that uh, that sets the scene and uh, <laughs> sets the scene and the tone nicely. So I guess what are your initial thoughts on this, Cassie? What, you know, what, what do you think about kind of this being an essential part of getting through an ambiguous environment? 
I couldn't agree more. I think um, it's the openness to change and adapt and, and the willingness to to learn, I think. I think the accepting that you don't have all the answers and, and you don't know what you don't know yet, and that's part of that growth mindset, right? It's a, a fixed mindset. You, you are where you are and that's where you want to stay, right? And then I think the whole point of, of the amb- ambiguous environment and, and leading through that is the willingness to to move out of where you are today and into it, it the, the next phase or the next place, right? Um, and I think part of that growth mindset is accepting that there'll be a journey and it won't be linear and it won't be smooth and, and you're okay to go with the ups and downs that come with with a change like you know like what we might be talking about so yeah I couldn't agree more I think it's a great um great topic so I guess if, if we break that down into to two separate parts I mean you can look at this as you know how how critical is it that you as a leader have a growth mindset um and maybe even kind of how you how you adapt that to kind of your leading from the front and your attitude and showing exactly what you two have talked about just then like you don't know everything and it's so you know how do you show your team that that's the case but also then how do you enable your team to kind of as you as you kind of point to make mistakes in that type of environment and let them know that that's okay as well who wants to jump in on uh, either one of those first i'll take a steer um and say, give it a crack. Um, look, I mean, there's many things that you can do. And I think the one of the most important things as well with that growth mindset and leading is just just be ready. Mistakes happen for that person that you're taking that through. It's it's very easy to fall into that going, oh, you know, they could have got it right. Where, where did they go wrong? Accepting the reality that they probably will get something wrong or maybe um, sometimes we use the word fail fast or, you know, fail at something. That's part of that journey and experience of being a good leader. So you've got to accept that. Um, and, and what you're hoping through that growth mindset is by using that experience to go, okay, how do we get better? Um, and there's two words when I come back to about the language, about the science behind growth mindset. Um, a really famous professor I like to think called Carol Dweck. Um, she used two words, which I think are really awesome, which is the power of not yet which is kind of a bit of background and context um, in the in that, you know, you may not know this today, not yet. So if you give that kind of foundation to your people and kind of lead through that change, accepting that they may make a mistake, um, probably the last item uh, just that I would say is also think about wearing their shoes, not your own. Uh, and if you wore their shoes, you know, it'd be uncomfortable. So imagine if the same vice versa for yourself. And if you can accept those kind of three things about not yet wearing someone else's shoes and understanding that it's a different experience for them in ambiguity and that mistakes may happen, then I think that's the me- the components for me as a leader. I'll go in. Uh, I think mine would be um, humility. I think what I learned very quickly is it, it actually helps if you're the person that sits up and says, wow, I did that badly. Or, you know, we we made a mistake there or didn't approach that conversation in the right way or I didn't approach that process change in the right way or whatever it might be, right? We, you know, we, there's a broad range of leading through ambiguity here. Like my um, my personal experience is, you know, I didn't communicate that in the right way. I didn't, I didn't understand that where by saying what I said, the team would feel this or this would be the outcome. And I think, I mean, you just said it then, put yourself in their shoes 
that is lesson one. But the lesson two off that is if you've done it wrong, you didn't put yourself in your, their shoes well or you, you misinterpreted how they might respond. Like I pride myself on putting my hand up and saying, whoops, you know, I didn't do that well and this is why and this is what I've learned from it. And I watched the team around go, oh, well, if she can say whoops, then I, maybe I can say whoops too. And maybe we can all just agree that we didn't do that right in the first place. So I think that recognizing failure, I mean, we do it in like delivery all the time, right? Retros, they're there for that reason. They're there to say, what did we do well? Awesome, let's keep doing that. But more importantly, what didn't we do well and why didn't we do it well? And if you think about leading through times like that, if you give yourself a little internal retro every week or every time you do something big you can kind of catch yourself and say you know what did I didn't do um and I think listening you know listening to others you can't self-assess that all the time by the way you have to listen you know you have to go and get that feedback before did that land in the way that I thought because your perception of how it landed might not be the reality to another team member so I think it's that when that probably leads me on to the second point is that openness to feedback. So it's it's not just your own, I'll admit when I did it wrong, you have to be willing to to get that feedback in the first place. And that's really daunting, right? Like as, as anyone, even like, I don't think it matters what level you're at, like opening yourself up to say, you know, okay, I'm listening here and I'm open to anything because then you have to be open to anything. And if someone comes back with something you don't like, you still have to, you ask for that feedback, right? So you still have to take it on. And that's part of that growth mindset. I think it's that reevaluating. It's that constantly being willing to hear feedback, listen, adapt, change it. So as a leader, I think, you know, I mean, that's kind of what you can do as a team member, put your hand up open for feedback. But as a leader, it's how do you instill that feedback culture within your team, that feedback is constant. It's, it's a privilege to hear feedback. Right? Like we, we say that a lot. And I think you don't really realize what that means until you're in a position where you actually need that feedback. Like it's a privilege to have peers or leaders who are willing to sit there and give you feedback and actually you know grow you by giving you feedback um yeah so openness and and listening to that feedback and then taking and doing something with it which I think is at the core of of what it means to be in a growth mindset it's willingness to change yeah I, I love that for both of you and I think that it's kind of getting towards and I'm probably going to ask you a question that's similar to topics that we've tackled on the podcast here previously but you know what is it you know what's the most important factor for you guys as leaders in terms of like how you set your team and your environment up so that people are open to that feedback so that you've got that open rich environment and people do put their hand up to hear that because I mean I can remember the first time that I went through an exercise like that in an organization and you're kind of not necessarily always ready for what gets thrown at you and it can be quite daunting and confronting so you know what do you think are the most important factors that you're instilling in your team to to enable them to feel comfortable doing that i can jump in first um i think for me it's about your intent when you're doing it and making that very clear so we like to think or I like to think that we've created an environment where everybody knows that everybody is coming from a good place um we've also started to do a thing which seems to be brilliant especially on on, on for some of our more junior team members where we ask 
are you willing to hear this today? And are you ready to hear this today? Because some people just aren't, right? That day might just be the worst day that they've had and nothing that you say that day is going to stick and it might put them in a worse position, right? So you need to you need to read that room and you need to, as a leader, you need to understand when it's appropriate and when it's not to give feedback. But as a, as a team member, as an individual, you need to also be willing to say that And I think if you can create that as a leader, if you can create that trust within your team, that first of all, we all know that this is coming from a good place and we all know why we're doing this. And that's just about open conversation all the time and kind of instilling that within the team from the grassroots, but also just being transparent on a daily, weekly basis to say, you know, this isn't my day. And, you know, as a leader, you you can then read that to say, I, I think it's also being self-aware enough to say when you're not in the right mood to do it or in the right headspace to do it. If you've had a bad day, are you going to deliver this feedback in the best way possible either? So I think set, set the right intent, set that trust and transparency with the team to understand why we're doing this, what you're getting out of it. And then it's that check-in point when you're going to give feedback, you know, is this something that you can hear today? Is this something you're going to be receptive to? I think they would be my my key pillars. Yeah, I was going to say, um, Cassie's answered before on me over just about humility and things like that. So it was really nice hearing that and just um, bouncing that. So it was really cool. Uh, listen, just listening back and that made me smile. Um, I, I don't think it's too far from what Cassie said for me as well. I think it's you know, there's different things that we lean into ambiguity and maybe we'll flesh into that, but we talk about, you know, that's why we do discovery as delivery teams. That's why we do reflections and learnings on that because we are guaranteed to find everything. Uh, and that's the purpose of why we time box something because the reality is we're not going to find everything. Sometimes it's through the action of doing uh, that we'll learn at, at our fastest point, but also making sure that through that group, that team has that. Um, and I think even just kind of, Kind of even where Cassie was a really powerful point is uh, you, you yourself as a leader, and I'm a firm believer that, you know, a leader is not by definition of management, it's just the person that they can lead through change and they can lead through that. And I think that's what we're talking about is any person can also make that call and raise their hand. And it's about creating that environment for that person to literally raise their hand and say, it's just, I haven't got this. I, I don't need, th- I don't know this but this is what I need help with or the support that comes with it because um, no thing that comes with ambiguity generally, I mean, hopefully can be solved by yourself, but, you know, there's ne- no- nothing wrong taking a few friends along the journey as well. You know, I, I want to go off what you just said there. I absolutely loved what you said about a leader is not a leader through, you know, title or, or role really. Like anybody in a business can be a leader. So when we talk about leading through ambiguity it kind of um it brings me back to like as delivery as a delivery function right delivery managers can be of all senioritys but they are leading a team and they're leading a team through what could be even if we're not talking about large-scale organizational change we might be talking about a small you know one-off project it could still be a really ambiguous problem statement could be dealing with really ambiguous you know landscape those people are expected to lead that team through that. And everyone in that squad would be expected to have a part in leading that squad through that. So when we talk about leaders and leading through these types of environments, we're not talking about only, you know, 
C-suite GM level people. We're talking about anyone and everyone that needs to be able to to have these skills to, you know, lead that team. Um, and I thought that, I just thought that was a really good point that it's not only specific people here. We're talking about everyone and how do you equip what might be, you know, a relatively junior team member with the right skills to actually do something that is 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 very difficult. And I think that's an important point you've made there as well, Cassie. Is that you know this this really, if you, if you employ, employ kind of the right, I guess practices and the right ways of working and the right kind of mindset as a leader, you know this does affect the whole organisation top to bottom. If you're working in an environment of ambiguity, the likelihood is that it's because it's ambiguous for those either above or below or probably both. It's probably not because somebody who does know has chosen not to tell you. <laughs> Uh, you know, so so the same approach works kind of organizationally all the way through. Um, I, I really like what you said about the feedback as well. It's something that's always been said to me throughout my career is that you know, the feedback you give people is less about what you're actually telling them, but how you say it, where you say it, um, you know, and the, the situation. Like you could say exactly the right thing, but you say it in the wrong place and it doesn't land. You can say the wrong thing in the right place and you'll get away with it <laughs> and be, you know, be given that credit back. So, um, and I think, I think those are, those are really great points. And I'm kind of going to naturally bring in what you wanted to talk about and the topic you suggested here, Cassie, because I think the two are going to complement each other quite well. And I think we're kind of starting to get onto it anyway as, as a combination, but you want to talk about communication and how you effectively leverage that in such an environment. So did you, again, kind of want to give us your, your thoughts and kind of how you came to thinking about that as your kind of topic within the topic? Yeah, I mean, there's so there's so much on it, right? I think I could talk about it for a, for a week. Um, I don't, we don't have that much time, so I'll try to be concise. But I think um, when, when we first started writing this topic, I was trying to understand kind of how do we do it? Like as a leader, how, how do we, you know, create the safe place for people? And I think one thing I've learned from doing it well and doing it badly, right, is communication is the key. And I think having what, what would be deemed as like some people might say it's too early to communicate, right? We don't know the answer. I promise you it's worth to say nothing. Like I've tried that. It doesn't work. Um, you need to be clear. And the communication can be, I don't know what's going to happen. And I know that this is hard and I feel your pain. I don't have an answer for you, but let me work it out with you or let me show you where we are, which is nowhere, but at least you know where we are and you know that this is the plan that we've got going forward. Um, and how do we kind of then take you on that journey as we go through that plan? But the, the no communication for me would be like the kiss of death, right? The team, because, because like anything, teams will make up their own story. They'll make up what might be happening. And you, we all know that imaginations run wild and that can then be way worse than, you know, what might be a simple, you know, we just don't know, but this is what we do know so far and, and this is where we're going. So I think that for me is like absolutely critical. Um, it's the clear, consistent and transparent and, and by transparent, you know, it's okay to say I don't have an answer. And it's okay to then listen to what people might be feeling because that informs your answer as well, right? So the more you communicate, the more you're in touch with the people that might be going through. You know, and I, I'm talking about my experience in terms of an organisational change. 
um, you know, you don't know what you're, you don't know what's on the other side, but not communicating is worse than like at least saying, you know, we're not sure yet. Um, I have many more points, but maybe I'll stop there and let people jump in on communication. What's your take on that, Harry? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, yeah, I definitely agree with that communication. It's over-communicating, but, you know, I think even I'm a villain at sometimes forgetting to communicate, uh, especially, I think, with a hybrid work environment that we a lot of us now work in. Um, so you will probably work across three different plat- you know, platforms on chat, video, email, um, in person. And so sometimes that can get lost. I know I myself have definitely been that. Um, I think with, as well, when we're leading people through ambiguity, it's the communication tools that you can leverage. And I think that's a really important part. So, um, you know, you, you can find through that, you know, like one of the tools I love using is like Miro, um, you know, and, you know, just a great collaboration tool to go through ambiguity. Sometimes it's the old fashioned, uh, what are the, you know, the five questions of why and kind of just working through ambiguity at that as a team. And you can apply that to almost anything. I think I don't want to go and say it's everything because that sounds like a, a life goal. Um, but it's um, probably more something that there are so many different mechanisms we can use to communicate it's whether or not we want to use them consistently and i think cassie's exactly on point about you know the death is definitely the no communication happens um that's just a guarantee i think that's a pretty fair call out um but yeah there's so many different ways and we work in a hybrid environment i think the challenge is more about what it, what works best for everyone in that company and in that organization um so you know sometimes you'll need people that want to see something visual to work through ambiguity so how can you get that done uh, and then you've got to factor that second layer down, which is, you know, if you're a hybrid workplace or you've got different people in disparate areas, um, how do you bring that that group together? And that's also leading through ambiguity um, because you're generally going as a group together through this process or a couple of people. Uh, and it's more about, you know, always having something to fall back onto to remind yourself that, you know, you are working through that ambiguity bit by bit by bit. Um, and so that's just as important as communication is what are the tools that underpin that? Um, and having that kind of set and then working as a team, feeling comfortable to uh, kind of call that out. But I think even just to add to communication, the bit that we sometimes, uh, you know, I sometimes even forget is it's also having the bravery to communicate something that doesn't seem like as you're learning through that ambiguity. Um, that's a really important factor that people feel comfortable and safe. We have talked about safe, but even just that bravery to challenge the status quo, and that is a cornerstone of growth mindset versus that fixed mindset. So, you know, empowering people to feel like it's okay to question something that it's existed is just a really powerful thing that you can give the people that you work with. I was just going to say, you just touched on so many great points and like the communication channel one is so um, key. Like, I, I think we all struggle in the hybrid environment knowing like it's really hard to bring a team together in this world but you have so many more options in how to communicate and when's the right message to put in which medium and I think people still can get that wrong and I think that's critical right some messages can't be done over an email or they can't you know it's not going to work if you put in a a zoom meeting you know half an hour before to land a big thing it's just not gonna you know not gonna fly um but i loved what you were saying towards the end there i think it was really um 
it was really insightful when you when you're talking about um, communication. I think what, where I what I kind of took from what you're saying is it's a two way communication, right? Like it's not you as a leader or you know as a leadership team communicating to everyone else. It's you you have the right to challenge back. And I think it, like any ambiguous situation should be a two-way channel. And if you as a leadership team are setting an agenda and saying, this is what we're doing, you're not leading that team. You're not listening to what that team want. You're not receptive to the choices. And how do you set up that two-way channel and how do you create that environment where it is okay for anyone and everyone to have a have a view and how do you collect that in the right way Um you know, I think I've, uh, in my pre-thinking of this, I kind of said like to myself, okay, a good communication strategy comes with a good listening strategy. Like how do you actually get that out of the team? Whether it's, you know, we've done all sorts of things like um, virtual listening sessions. We've done anonymous listening sessions. We've done in-person listening sessions. We've sent little, you know, spies out into the teams to just try and get here from, you know, from teams what they want out of it but if you're not if you don't have that two-way communication channel I think you lose half the battle right it's it's not a it's not just communicating to people you have to listen to what they're saying um yeah I think as well kind of you talk not only a two-way listening and you know two-way listening and, and kind of two-way communication street and using the right tools but also that communication at different levels as well. Um, you know, how you might communicate to your team, how you might communicate up to, you know, your superiors or in both your cases, actually, as well, in current companies and previous internal versus external stakeholders as well. Um, you know, I guess from from that perspective, I guess, you know, how do you, how do you nuance how you communicate at those different levels and then those different stakeholders, depending on kind of where they sit relative to your projects? I mean, I can start, I think, for me, it would be about articulating, at least understanding what are those different messages that are going out and making sure they will be largely, well, they should be, you hope that they're largely consistent, but there will be nuances and the team need to understand those nuances. The last thing you want is a team member to be reading a communication that they're not aligned to or they've read in a different way because the language is different or, you know, the terminology might be different because that's just how you have to do it. And I think understanding that it is the right message and it's the same message. Um, I mean, basic things like the timing of them, like don't send something to a different audience when the core audience doesn't know it yet. You know, there's small things like that 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 should be thought through um, and, you know, it's easy to make that mistake. It's easy to think that someone has already told, you know, a group of stakeholders and you're doing the other one and you get the timing wrong. But that that creates upset, right? If you if you don't stagger it in the right way or you don't use the right kind of terminology. So I think for me, it's um, like if you can understand that big picture, who's, who's who in the zoo? Who needs what message? When do they need it? How do they need it? You can then stagger what you would need to do either behind the scenes or to your other groups of stakeholders to make sure that that flows in the right way. And if you are across those messages, you, um, I think the other thing is you should be across those messages. The last thing you want is a team member to come and say, I've seen this or, you know, we've gone in this direction with this and I didn't know 
that was happening. If you didn't know that was happening either, then that's probably a problem. But if you can answer those questions with that team member, um, because you've, you know, you've gone out of your way to make sure you're across what's going on. Um, I think that settles them. It, it provides some stability. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's pretty important. And I think for me, I still always say even about communication, it's also just putting your hand up and we kind of, I think with, it's really interesting how today with similar themes are kind of going into interweaving into each other. And I think, uh, taking accountability, I know I've done communications or even when I'm working through ambiguity of working with stakeholders and then I've gone for, I've missed that one. Uh, someone's called me out on it, which is good on them. That's what we do it for. Um, it's just raising your hand and calling it out. It just gives confidence to everyone else in that group to go, all right, if they're putting their hand up, you know, even Cass has called it out about comms and just leading through that and just owning that. Um, I don't see that as any different to anything else in your role um, from, you know, it's just owning that kind of corner and just taking the accountability and then just working out how you're going to get it better. And then again, it's exact same foundations of growth mindset that we're talking here, uh, even just in just taking an approach to something Maybe you didn't, you know, get it the right way, but then what did you learn this time to take forward for the next time um, to keep it really short and simple? And I guess to, you know, to combine the two points that we've, we've been talking about here again, I guess, you know, the approaches that you two are both talking about here are obviously, um, you know, how you, I would imagine how you like to think you run your projects. And like a lot of these conversations we have it can be really theoretical and like perfect state scenario. And no, no project, no business is perfect and things change all the time. So I guess how much, you know, how much of kind of what we're talking about here and the way you guys approach your teams and what you're trying to achieve within organizations and things these days is informed by, like you've both said, kind of failing, learning from your failures and taking that feedback. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, that's definitely a mistake. So I always say I'm only human. Um, so um, I think what it is is just being open for feedback uh, is the first place. Um, you know, it's easier to say it, uh, which is checking your ego at the door when you're listening. Um, but, you know, sometimes even I myself occasionally will have that moment of going, is it really right? Am I hearing? No, just listen. Uh, take in what they're saying. Uh, take that face value information because it's as... As Cassie said, it's really it's really great to just get that feedback and you should be taking that as, you know, as a great opportunity for someone feeling comfortable enough to let you know what the what's what they think is an opportunity to get better rather than look at the other way and just be kind of quite closed off uh, to that feedback. I think for me, the learnings I'm still building out even in my role that I'm still trying to make sure is how do we communicate and collaborate and over communicate rather than go the other way forward. And it probably comes back to that work environment. So, you know, having a hybrid working environment, how do you get that message across? Because you'll hear from someone saying, that's just too much information and you're bombarding me with this too much and I can't keep up with this, this and this. So it's trying to find that good blend, but also the impact of that messaging and tailoring it to that audience. But, you know, again, through that ambiguity, I guess, what's the purpose? You're trying to break through some ambiguity and lead through that communications of that. So it's, you know, try to be short and punchy, but look, I mean, I myself, I've done that and mucked it up and I've had people come back going, what are you even talking about? So it's kind of taking that moment and just understanding it, taking that advice, that growth mindset behavior of, you know, failure, quick learnings, implement again. Um, because just because you did it that way today, for example, doesn't mean you can't get it right in another hour's time once you've got that feedback. I, I agree. I think, um, 
most of what we're talking about today, it whilst it's theoretical, like we've gone through a lot of this at work, right? So I'm basing a lot of what I'm saying on either what we did well, what I did well, or what I didn't do well and recognizing that that what that absolutely didn't go well and this is how I would do it differently or this is how I did do it the next time around. Um, I think for me, the communication one is so, 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 so important. And I think it is so easy to uh, not get it wrong, but it, it, you don't know the answer, right? So it's really hard to understand what you should be saying. And I think one of the things I've learned throughout and I'll, I'll, this is the advice I would give to anybody is you go back to like the vision, the mission and some principles. And if you can align on that, the detail isn't necessarily required, not at least upfront, right? So if you can say, we're doing this organizational change, we're running this project, we are making this move to here, but this mission or this is the vision if you can get that high level that one liner and everyone can hang themselves to that you know attach themselves to that and everyone can move towards that overall vision everything becomes easier everyone has this this big goal that they're working towards the second bit from there is those principles and this is where i would never do this on my own i'll always bring people in to do this together because you can't create these principles around, you know, well, how are we going to get there? What do we, you know, there's, there's been things thrown around in terms of calling it like a social contract. How are we working together? There's other ways of framing it in terms of, you know, use project terminology in scope, out of scope, really like principles is a nice way of saying it, but they are, it seems a little bit like that, right? What, what are we focusing on for this project piece of work organizational change whatever it might be and if you can come up with those i think it gives the team such an anchor and such a, a stake in the ground and something to work towards and you might not you know go that way linearly you might go all over the shop to get there but you can bring yourself back to that overall vision and to those principles and if you can communicate those well and they might not come all at once right you might get you know, vision to start with and then mission and then principle number one. And, you know, you might, you might drip feed those things, but taking that team on the journey to do that would be like my key learning, I think, from everything that I've, they've been through and the, the times that the, you know, the changes that might have mainly been changes, like big organizational changes, the time that it's gone well and the time that the team have come and said, do you know, what? I just feel really supported. I feel really looked after. I feel like we all didn't know what was going on, but we were all in it together and that's okay was when I employed those techniques of trying to, you know, transformational leadership, I would bucket under that, right? That like overall vision setting and then trying to get the team to that end point. Yeah, I like that. And then I'll pose a question actually to both of you, kind of just listening to you talk about that and once you hear the question, you probably won't be overly surprised that I've come at you with this one. But, <laughs> you know, when you talk about things like that, there's, you're obviously talking about a team or kind of the implication is probably a team of people you already know, a team of people you already work with. So there's an element of trust and relationship there. But, you know, as leaders, when you're when you're about to go undergo a piece of project work and you're maybe looking to bring people into your team, new people into your team, whether it's, it's from somewhere else in the organization or a brand new hire into the company, like... 
How do you sell the opportunity to those people, knowing there's a lot of ambiguity when they maybe don't have the context of the business like your existing team would? I can see you grinning away, Cassie, so I might let you go first here. <laughs> I'm grinning away because you're talking about growing the team and that's all I feel like I've been doing recently. Um, so it's very familiar. Um, look, I think for me, it goes back to what we're working on is exciting, right? It's new, it's innovative, it's fast, it's exciting. And I think, yes, it's ambiguous. Every problem we deal with is ambiguous. Our organizational structure is a bit ambiguous. Like we are two organizations joined together. We've gone through a massive change. I don't have all the answers and I'm very open about that. I am very transparent about that, but I am also very supportive to my teams and I, uh, you know, or door always open kind of person, right? And I make that very clear from day I'm, you know, starting to interview someone to the welcome that I just had with a team member just before this, which was my door is always open, like online, because that's where we are. Um, but, you know, chat me whenever you want. Um, I will answer any question. I don't necessarily have the answer, but I will try and find it out for you. It's not a problem. And I think... Because we've got the environment we're in, we've got the the work is just nonstop. You know, we are backed by a major business that wants us to deliver these solutions. We are providing awesome solutions for our customers, like genuinely working on what I would say is some of the most interesting work that I've ever been a part of. When you can sell that to a person, the ambiguity kind of is a secondary you know, piece to the puzzle, right? We all deal with that. I mean, Irene said it earlier, we do, we all deal with that in every project, small or large scale, you know, you don't have all the answers. You're never going to have all the answers. It's part of running a project. It's part of running a team. Um, so I think that's, that would be how I deal with it is, is that it's not, it's not the be all and end all. There's other parts to the role and we'll figure out the rest of it together as and when we need to. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. That's um, yeah, that's a re- like it was just really nice hearing that in terms of just su- being supportive of people coming new. I think for me, um, so we've been hiring as well, um, and going through that experience from like at scale, it's also giving, um, a, an honest take. So I even say before, you know, it's always it's, can you sell them the dream whilst you're even trying to hire people? Um, so even before they've even hit the front door. Uh, at the office, it's about being really transparent. Uh, you know, what are the challenges? You know, I'm always very big about exception-based kind of discussions. And, you know, what are the challenges that they see? Because what you, you'll you find out very quickly is not every challenge is something someone wants to sign up for. Um, but there are other people that will go, that's the kind of challenge I want to eat up. And like kind of what Cassie's talking about, like in terms of that group, there'll be some people that will just eat that for breakfast every day with their eyes closed. And for some, that may not be. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely not. It, but it's you're wanting to find people through that as well that want to jump on that, you know, I guess that journey with you and go through that. But also knowing that they've got the safety uh, and confidence to be able to be themselves in an environment um, that's also supportive of that kind of growth mindset, that dynamic nature in that ambiguous kind of setting. So I think for me, yeah, it's, it starts even before we can, before we can get them in the door if it's possible. Um, and then, yeah, I think, you know, sticking to what you say from that moment, I think that's, a, you know, what is really powerful. And even Cassie alluded to, like, 
coming into a team that's kind of already started to build up, you know, some of those simple techniques as simple as a social contract are massive. Um, it means that person just comes in and goes, all right, I already kind of understand the context of what this place is like in approaching ambiguity and how its teams are designed to tackle that. So I think, you know, that was a really good point that was shouted out. Yeah, and no, mate, I love that point about it starts before somebody's even in the door. I think, um, you know, you see you see all too often that kind of that gap between when you first meet someone, maybe when you offer them a job, right through to when they actually walk in the door. It's just this absolute vacuum of communication, <laughs> you know, from from a huge number of people. Um, and you kind of lose people, you can kind of lose people, you know, you, you hire these people presumably because you're excited by them and they're excited by you. And to kind of, to lose that enthusiasm and kind of just let that slide for, you know, four, six, however many weeks, um, feels like a real lost opportunity. Cassie? I think I really made a good point there in terms of being open and, uh, and transparent in the pre-stages of someone coming in. Like if you are genuinely have a, a tough environment, whether it's the project or the, the organizational shift or whatever it might be, um, I think you have to be transparent about that. I think you have to let people know what they're walking into. I don't like I'm not a big believer of you you sell you sell something that isn't reality once you get there. And I think you are right, Harine, and and there are certain people that are so up for that. And other people that might not be in the right space to tackle that kind of challenge today, this this year, whatever it might be. Um, and I do, I like the transparency of, you know, I tell I tell people in an interview, we've got two systems because we do. We've got two employee entities. We've got two systems. And like some people don't appreciate that. And other people love the fact that I've, you know, accepted and told them that we have two systems. It's a fact once you join and you get here, you'll work that out quickly. So it's like small things like that. Where you, the more open I think you can be, the better the outcome once someone gets in there, um, rather than that shock of, well, this isn't what I thought I was walking into. Um, you know, it's either not as challenging as I thought or it's more challenging than I thought. And either way is probably just as bad. That I like uh, I like the points on both sides there, guys. Um I'm very conscious that I feel like this is a topic, having spoken to both of you prior to this, we could talk about for hours. So <laughs> I certainly don't want to wrap up prematurely. I guess, is there anything specific either of you were keen to kind of address or throw to the group, um, you know, b- before we kind of wrap conversation? I'm thinking probably the only bits for me about ambiguity and comes back to it is the reality is um, you'll always have, like even I, I myself have that moment where you have that shock fear moment about not knowing something. Um, that is human. <laughs> that is okay. It doesn't matter whatever level you work at, you will, someone will have that. Um, but it's also having hopefully a safe environment to be able to voice that. And I think we've, you know, Cassie talks about communication, which I think is really important, but probably also secondly is just to kind of throw a bit of a spin about ambiguity is you've actually been solving ambiguity since you've been as much like a toddler to kind of put a bit of a preface to it. The only problem was that maybe is back then you might have been solving whether it's chocolate or vanilla ice cream now it might be a product and maybe that might actually be whether you sell chocolate or vanilla ice cream as a product um but that's kind of what the premise of ambiguity is it does happen to all of us it happens every day we're not the only ones um and it is human to feel like in moments where you know you get frustrated by it but you'd be surprised by just having those chats with people and having that right environment um how you can approach it really well 
I love that. I think I think it's so good. And I think what you're touching on is it's not actually whilst you've been doing it forever, the scale changes and it it's actually can be quite hard. And it's okay to say, I don't actually know how to navigate this situation or I don't know how to, to face this challenge. I want to brainstorm it with someone. I want to talk to, that doesn't have to be someone at work. That could be someone outside of work. It could be a partner. It could be a friend. It could also still be someone at work, but you know, don't be afraid to go, I would like to work out how we work through this together. Um, I think if one thing that someone said to me a long time ago, and I think it's so true, is people are actually very generous with their time. And if you ask someone for five minutes to chat through something, they will more than likely give it to you. And you should take that with both hands because that is how we all learn. Um, do not be afraid of failure. Failure is not failure. It is an opportunity to learn. And I, and that sounds so cliche, but I genuinely believe that that is true. And if we don't fail, we don't learn. Um, and so you do something wrong or you don't approach, approach something in the best way, doesn't matter like it you know you learn from it you wear it accept it put your hand up move on um and that's probably the 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 best piece of advice that I've been given in the past is you know ask listen learn move on you know even if you think it was the the biggest mistake we'll stay up at night thinking about these things but you know we all do it and so we, we may as well just move on from it and and try do better next time yeah, I'm told. Uh, I'm told regularly at home that the things that keep me up at night are actually not that important. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with, with the possible exception of my kids who also keep me up at night. But uh, <laughs> yeah. well, look, guys, thank you so much um, for your time this afternoon. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate the the kind of thoughts and and you know the responses to to both of the the sub subtopics within this conversation as well. So thank you so much. So. Um, for those listening again, our guests on today's podcast are Cassie Jordan from WIC and Harine Thalgaspitia from iSelect. So if you are currently or about to undergo a project, you don't know how ambiguous it is <laughs> and you may need to look for people to help you deliver that um, or would love to have a similar conversation on the podcast in the future, please feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution to see how we can help. My name is Lewis Burks. You can find me on LinkedIn as well as a link to my profile in our full series of podcasts. Thanks again to our guests for their time today and thank you all for listening and we hope you can join us again next time on the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast. Thank you. Thank you.